everyone and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff at Northview Church here in Abbotsford, or at least our recording studio is in Abbotsford. Yep. We have three campuses, one in Mission, one in Abbotsford, and one Tri-City. Mm-hmm. And I am sitting with my two friends, Crystal. Hello. Crystal, tell us a little bit who you are. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Church. And Aaron Peters. Hi. I'm back. Yep. Erin <laughs> has been missing in I action. Know. Took a, a hiatus. Yeah. She's our friend. She's a member of Northview. She's a women's table leader. She's a mom. She's a wife. She is, what else? You wear a lot of a hats. TA. <laughs> Aren't you doing TAing work now? Like, right. Yeah. In the classroom? Yeah. Yeah. You've been a missionary in Madagascar with your husband? That's correct. Her husband, Evan's, her husband, Kevin, Evan, is Evan. an elder. <laughs> Kevin and Aaron put together makes Evan. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You're not the first one to make that mistake. Yeah. So they have lots of different roles here at church, and mm-hmm. we're happy to have you with us. Thank you. We have an interesting podcast topic today. It's called, Why Do People Resist the Gospel? So before we launch into that, Crystal, you have to define what is the gospel. Yeah, I will do that. I want to say the reason this came up is because I've just been surprised um, in a lot of our different settings in church to find out how long people have been involved here at church, and yet they still don't call themselves Christians. Mm -hmm. And I think, how is it that you could be here every week, that you can Mm -hmm. listen to this being taught? Um, you know, people in our different Bible studies or at church services, you know, they're here, mm-hmm. but there's somehow, there's something that they're resistant to. And that, I would add into that and say that there are some people who went to church as a kid, stepped away for many years, they're a bit rusty in their faith or dusty, as sometimes I call it, mm-hmm. and now they're back. So yeah. they resisted for a lot of years and now they're back in. Yeah. And I'm always curious as to why. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we want to explore. Or is it all, and are you also talking about um, people who would say that they're a Christian but the gospel is not impacting yeah, their lives, like, like making changes. Yeah, yeah. That as we talk through some of those categories, per- pursuit of the gospel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the gospel is basically um, the word gospel just means news, and so it's basically the news of Jesus Christ that um, that this world was created by God, that it was a world that, of people that rebelled against God, and that um, through history He sent His Son Jesus. Uh, to come to the world and to reconcile people with God. And so Jesus, it's the news of his life, his birth, his uh, perfect life on earth, his death on our behalf in terms of his taking the penalty for all of our sins, all of our rebellion against God. And then the fact that he was resurrected from the grave and now offers us eternal life and will one day come to restore the world uh, as a second, like in the second coming, come to, to restore, to judge and bring uh, the world to its final kind of climax. And so we kind of find ourselves within the story. We have to understand that this is kind of the reality of our world, that it is, it is a world ruled by God where he has sent somebody to save us from it. And that would be the gospel, mm-hmm. that we have a savior um, who's come and who's restoring the world to himself. And we have to decide, are we on board with him or not? Mm-hmm. So we see that people are resistant doing. to that gospel message, yep. but outwardly we often see that they are resistant to church or yep. to the Bible or to Jesus or to God or things of spiritual matters. Yeah. So that's yeah. sort of the whole package that people are resistant to. Yeah. So we were at, um, I was asked to be part of an interfaith dialogue at Columbia Bible College and they had all these different uh, faith groups there, um, Buddhist and Muslim and Jewish and Hindu. And, and it was just interesting to come to see 
the pushback against Christianity specifically mm-hmm. in that group, right? Yeah. Everybody else was wanting to say, well, we're all the same. We all worship the same God. And the fact that Christianity had these you know, claims of exclusivity and you need to follow Jesus, like that was a, it was a huge pushback. Yeah. And so we're yeah. going to talk about, yeah, some of those reasons why. And so we know that there is no one size fits all. There's no mm-hmm. one size fits all reason. Talk about that a little bit, Erin. Well, I was thinking it has a lot to do with our culture, the place that you grow up, because we're talking the gospels for all people mm-hmm. in any part, any nation, and that climate where you where you grow up, there could be different threads of belief systems and and difficult circumstances. So it doesn't matter which country you're coming from; yeah. you could be dealing with difficult circumstances or theology or like mind thought processes that are just very askew from the gospel mm-hmm. that would just be part of who you how you grow up and you wouldn't even realize that they're they're not correct that they're not in line with the gospel right um, and then also there's so many times you hear heart-crushing stories of people who have different circumstances that are painful and yeah. it causes them to just have grief or uh, hard emotions that anger things yeah. that make feel like they're betrayed from by god so you're talking about everyone a wide has a different, range yeah. yeah like there's so many reasons deep deep thoughts that yep. people have think thinking things that come up in front of them that they go, ah, oh, I cannot get over that hurdle. Yeah. And we yeah. want to get that across on this podcast that there are so many reasons why people are resistant. And there's no one reason. People have multiple reasons if they're resistant to the gospel. And so I think that's part of the challenge for us to, to get to know people and understand their story so we find out what are the pieces that make them resistant to the gospel. Yeah, I think what we're hoping from this podcast is to kind of increase your curiosity level to ask questions Mm. of the people in your life, because sometimes we think, well, people are resistant because of this one thing. And so we kind of hammer at this one thing in their lives, but it's not necessarily the questions that they're asking or the the problem that they have. And so we have to actually step out of our kind of telling somebody to actually ask questions like, what is it in your life? What, what do you believe? What are your faith hurdles or why are Mm -hmm. you, why don't you want to come to church? Like, what are the barriers there so Mm -hmm. that we find out that because different people will have different reasons that they're resistant. There's a podcast at Northview called Between Two Worlds, and it's put on by the youth, and they try to aim it at parents and youth and talking about a variety of issues. And they recently raised this issue of why do kids resist going to church and what can parents do about it? And they ask parents to ask more questions of their kids, like what makes Mm -hmm. you at 14 not want to go to church? What are the pieces that are um, that barrier for you to go to church or to youth or things like that. It was a really good podcast, so you might want to tune into one like yeah. that. Yeah, and sometimes even asking those questions rather than just forcing your kid to come mm-hmm. makes you realize, oh, well, maybe we need to figure out some solution to that one specific thing and that'll yeah. make it easier, right? Yeah. So you're actually listening and engaging with your kids in that. Yeah. yeah. So let's look at the Bible. That's a good place to start for us. <laughs> really? We, there's a place, Acts 17, <laughs> 32 to 34, that talks about a biblical framework for why people resist the gospel. So, Crystal, I think you're going to read that one for us. Yeah, so the context of this passage is Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul is preaching in Athens, and he's trying to engage with the fact that they have very many gods in Athens. He's walking around the marketplace and seeing that there's all these different gods, and and there is a plaque to the unknown god. And so Paul says, oh, this is my chance to kind of tell them about this unknown god. And so he preaches a message to them. Um, but after the message, we hear, um, this is Acts 17, 32 to 34, different responses to his message. So it says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. And so I think what it's important, what 
is important for us to see as we read scripture is that, so the Apostle Paul, who probably was like the most effective evangelist ever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he preached a message, we, he often had, if you read through the book of Acts, these three responses. So some people mock the message. Mm-hmm. Others people say, you know, we don't quite get it yet, but we want to hear you about it again. So they have questions. And then the third group just automatically gets kind of convicted and believe um, what he's saying. And yeah. so I think it's important for us to realize that when the message is preached, when the gospel is presented, we can expect all three of those responses. Yeah. And just because we have someone mock us or someone ask questions doesn't mean that we've necessarily presented it wrongly yeah. or that we haven't been clear. It just means that people are in process and they're going to have different responses to it. Yeah. I think it sets the expectations correctly for yeah. our friends and family members. Because right. yeah. we often wonder, why is my friend or family member resisting the good news about Jesus Christ? It doesn't make any sense. And and we get all caught up in, oh my goodness, they have to believe and why don't they? And we start and to I panic and flop. And, yeah, right. sharing feel, the message. Yeah. Totally. We feel so much guilt and we feel so much pressure and angst inside of us. Yeah. But we have to realize that biblically, not everyone will believe. Or not right away. Anyway, not right away. They might yeah. come along yeah. later, but not necessarily. Their immediate response might be mocking, yeah, or questioning. And I guess the encouragement there too is to continually speak it or show the gospel, yeah, because on that first run, somebody might it might just go be over resistant, their head. Yeah. yeah, and then next time it might make more sense. And we know that when we consider our friends and family members, many people become Christians at different points in their life. Not everybody becomes a Christian at age three or age five at the mm-hmm. knee of their parents. Yeah. Lots of people do, but some people become in their 50s and their 60s. And we see that when we have our baptism services here at Northview, we mm-hmm. see a wide range of people who are of different ages and stages and have come to faith at different places in their life. And that I love. Yeah, totally. Because we serve a God of hope mm-hmm. who we have a chance till our very last breath. We have time. Yeah. yeah. Whatever background that we come with, come from. Okay, so let's read another scripture passage mm-hmm. that speaks to why people um, might fall away from the faith or why they might continue in the faith, or those kinds of things. You might be familiar with it. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. Mm-hmm. Aaron's going to read the parable itself, and then Crystal's going to be, read the explanation. It's from Luke chapter 8. Okay, so this is during the season when Jesus was traveling around from towns to villages speaking, and um, we'll start in... Um, chapter 8, verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell upon among thorns, which grew up around it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than it was sown. When he said this, he called out, Who, sorry, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said this, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. (laughs) They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart 
who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Hmm. So the, the thing that's so great about this parable is that Jesus actually explains it. Some of them, yeah. he's a little bit more, <laughs> he's a little bit more, um, yeah, oblique in what he's meaning. But this one, he actually explains that, you know, the, this is basically a response to the word of God. People have different responses mm-hmm. and some have hard hearts and the word of God comes on their ears and they just reject it. Other people think, well, this is great, but then it says that they have no root. And so they grow up for a little while, um, but then they're tested and they fall away. Um, some, the one that fell among the thorns, talks about them hearing, um, but then cares and riches and pleasures choking it out. And so we know that we've seen that in people's lives where people hear the word of God, they start, they're on a journey, but then all of a sudden there's different cares and things mm-hmm. that just choke out the word of God and they just turn their back on it and reject it. And the last, the good response is for those who hear, and I just love how it's described here, who hold it fast in an honest and good heart and mm-hmm. bear fruit with patience. Um, so they hear the word of God, they let it soak into their lives, they let it um, grow roots, and and they just withhold it with an honest and good heart. Like they want to follow God, they want to kind of serve Him, they want to figure this out, and they know they're going to fail along the way, but they're ready to kind of just walk forward with God, and then they bear fruit in their in their life. So... It shows, again, four responses to the gospel, to God's word. So we're going to expand on this a little bit in terms of the things we see among our friends and family members. We're going to talk through a variety of categories, such as we have um, emotional categories for why people resist the gospel. There's ignorance, cares of the world, pleasures of the world, questions, and spiritual reasons. And these are a variety of categories, not meant to be exhaustive. (laughs) So you might have more categories to add to this, but it was just our start. And then we're going to outline some examples in each of the categories and then some possible responses. But again, that's not exhaustive either. We're hoping that you will take this podcast and talk about it with your friends or family members and add to our list. Yeah. And ask, yeah, like we said, ask them, what, mm-hmm. what are the things that are stopping you? Mm-hmm. So the emotional reasons is the first one. Crystal, can you outline some examples as to why people would emotionally resist the gospel? Well, we know that people aren't perfect. And so oftentimes people have been part of a church um, and other people have disappointed them. They've Mm -hmm. been hurt by people in the congregation. There's been sin in the congregation, like a pastor has fallen morally. Mm -hmm. Um, There's things like residential schools, like the whole First Nations community is scarred um, by how the church kind of grabbed grabbed kids out of their reserves and brought them to these residential schools and didn't um, appreciate their culture. So there's all kinds of reasons that people have been hurt. Um, we have people in our church, quite a few different people who have been involved in cults in the past, and so they've yeah. been manipulated in faith in some way. Um, and then bad modeling from parents. Yeah. Um, they say, well, my parents say they believe, but I see them acting this way, and so I don't know if it's actually real or fake. <laughs> so yeah. there's lots of right. emotional barriers uh, that come into play. Yeah. And added to that emotional ones is even things, simple things like church was boring when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see the point. Yeah. No, my parents were too controlling, too too legalistic. You know, it doesn't look fun. Right. Yeah. They so there's lots that. of those emotional yeah. reasons. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So how to respond. So a few of my thoughts on how to respond to this is I would really encourage you to listen to your friend or family member. Really pay attention to how and why they've been hurt by past experiences, maybe in the church or in youth or in their school, and then really empathize. If it's been sin, if they've been hurt because a pastor has um, had an affair and that's really hurt the church or a youth leader has touched them inappropriately, which is 
awful and terribly sinful. Yeah. Like pay attention to them and don't say, just yeah. Don't gloss over no, it. No, don't gloss yeah. over it. Say that's really awful. That's Wrong. sinful. That's yeah. not okay. That shouldn't have happened. Yes, it's hard to have legalistic controlling parents. Yes, it's hard when church was boring. I get that, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like really <laughs> listen and empathize to where they have been. I think that's really, and we have to spend a lot of time at that. I was going to say, how long does that empathy stage go on? I mean, it can be. Yeah, because it can be over and over throughout their life yes. as past hurts come up now and then. And so I think you really need to sit with your friend or family member and really listen to that. Because they won't be willing to be part of another church again or a youth group or a Christian school or university until they've really felt heard and understood that what had happened to them was not okay. Was and when they do wanted. feel listened to, the guard goes down, right? Yeah. And then they're maybe willing mm-hmm. to engage again. But yeah. until they feel like someone's listened to them, that guard is just up. Yeah. I would pray for their heart. Yeah. Pray that God would heal them from those physical or emotional wounds or things that have happened. That they would have um, genuine Christians in their path. That people who are regularly confessing <laughs> right. their sin and repenting, people who are trying not to be hypocritical, but we're people, so we are. Um Really pray for them and pray with them if they would allow it. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to pray. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 is really good. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, yeah. the riches of his glorious inheritances and holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Because we cannot on our own win people into God's kingdom. It's God's work. He has right. to open their heart and he has to um, soften it. And so we want to pray that God will do his work. Yeah. What else would you add? Anything to that? No, I think that's good. Okay. Go on to the next one. Let's go to the next category. All right, we have ignorance. We're going to call it ignorance. Yeah. Erin, outline some examples for us. Well, this is um, when somebody just simply hasn't heard about Jesus, that they haven't had that opportunity to hear who he is or what he's done. So this could be a, a person who grows up in a family that is not a believing family. Yep. Or um, you live in a country where it's blocked. Yeah. Or just... So I have an example to what? throw oh, in dear. there. Yeah. <laughs> You're eager. I think we have to assume we have to be careful that we don't assume that people who are in Christian schools or organizations are actually aware of who Jesus is. So my daughter Ava is at Trinity Western in her second year, and she has hmm. um, a group of friends, and one of these guys came to Trinity to play sports, and he came out of a non-Christian family. And he had he no recruited. idea. Yeah. No hmm. idea who even Adam and Eve were. Huh. Has never been to church in his life, still hasn't. He's very resistant, but he's surrounded by Christian friends and they're hoping that they can encourage him to come to church with them. They've tried. He hasn't, he's so far still resistant, but he's at Trinity Western, which is a Christian university here, very close to us in Langley. And yet this young guy has no clue. Hmm. And we have to be careful because there's people at MEI, there's people at Abbotsford Christian School who simply have not heard. Now they might be hearing through their school. But it's new, and this can take a while. Yeah, so we need to be aware in our language that we use, mm-hmm. the way we talk about things, that we don't use kind of these Christianese terms that people are like, "What in the world are you that's talking such a about?" Blockage. It is because they're like, "I have no idea what this is it's all like." About. A language I can't understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think one of the things is making sure that we explain things clearly, that we kind of think about who could be listening to what we're saying. Yeah, realize that a lot of people don't know how to put any of these pieces of puzzle together and. And just be open to that, not make people feel dumb or humiliated if they're asking questions. Jeff gave a little bit of a rant. He's our lead pastor, and he was a little bit... kindly mad at us as pastors <laughs> last week when we had our uh, 
weekend service review because he said we need to be careful and aware that we have people every week at church that are new and may never have been in church or haven't been in church for a long time, and we have to explain everything we do. So, for example, our middle school ministries, they have what's called higher ground. And it's sort of like a Bible study or a Sunday school class, if that's more familiar to you, in the basement of our church. But it's called Higher Ground, and it's in the basement. And Higher Ground, <laughs> what does that mean? And so he wanted us to make sure we always outline Higher Ground, grade six, seven, and eight, because middle school isn't the same here as it is in True. Mission Even or Chilliwack. Chilliwack. Yeah. yeah. So actually, it's the same in Mission, not Chilliwack. So we have to be careful that we explain everything so people don't feel stupid when they walk in. They take in the courage to walk into church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't want to make them feel dumb if they can't find. No. The, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Rand, he was right. Yeah, totally. The yeah. people that we are that we encounter around us, one of the things too is I think we need to be more brave. Uh, and this yeah. is, I mean, this is totally my thing too. Like I, I stand shoulder to shoulder with people and I don't necessarily know that they have any knowledge of the gospel. True. But I'm too wimpy to, <laughs> to ask the questions of where they're at and what the, might they know. And then to also speak. Like I might yeah. ask the questions and kind of get an idea where they are, but I'm terrified to speak out and say, hey, this is this is the gospel. Yeah. We, it assume, just seems so, we assume people so are going to be resistant. <laughs> yeah. which, and so, sometimes and they might why. not be, though. But like in Acts 17, some people yeah. automatically believed. So yeah. we need to believe that some of these people will actually just accept it That's right. or be interested, not necessarily be against it. Yeah. Yeah. So Crystal, give us some more responses to how if somebody is not aware of the gospel, Jesus, God, church, the Bible, what else can we do? Um. Well, I think we can, we don't want to be versed on it ourselves, so that we can kind of talk mm-hmm. about how the Bible kind of intersects with some of the things in their life. Like yeah. if they're dealing with depression or anxiety, talk about, you know, how can we, how do we see kind of biblical ideas mm-hmm. affecting, how, you know, the reason why we might be depressed or those kind of things. Yeah. Encourage people to come to Bible study with us. Like we've mm-hmm. had women bring their non-Christian friends to our Wednesday morning Bible study and just bring them along and say, come, just check it out. Yeah. That see, always amazes me, but it's actually it true. Had, I know we had five or so this year on Wednesday mornings. Yeah. Friends come along. Yeah. My husband, Mark, leads a table on Wednesday night. It's the same study for yeah. Corinthians. Right. And he's had a guy there almost every week that is not a Christian, still not a Christian, but his wife is, and yeah. she comes to the Wednesday morning. And that is amazing to their table. That he keeps coming. That he keeps coming. Yeah. And they clearly present the gospel. They read scripture. They talk it through. And he's there. Yeah. But he clearly is not yet a believer. Not yet, but no. maybe God's doing a work. I know. Yeah. So I think just encourage people to figure it to, yeah, check it out. So we're actually yeah. asking that you be in relationship with people who do not yet know Christ. Right. Yeah. Don't sit in a bubble no. of people that are all the same. No. Be curious about people who mm-hmm. are of different faiths and different backgrounds yeah. and yeah. all kinds of things, different yeah. stages and ages of life. Yeah. You don't have to walk very far. No, <laughs> no not at all. <laughs> the next category is cares of the world. And so I thought, well, pastor of care, I better um, <laughs> speak to this one. Yeah. So we know that in this life, it can be hard and there's a lot of pain and difficulty. And we received an email not too long ago from a gentleman in our church who outlined a wide variety of pain and difficulty in his life and the life of his family members and his friends and just in circumstances around their vehicle, their house, all kinds of things, pain and illness and death. And he just went on and on. And as a result, he is very angry with God. He's resentful. He's bitter. He's very disappointed in God. He has essentially in his email, he was saying, I've given up on God, church, the Mm -hmm. Bible, Mm -hmm. faith, 
all kinds of things. Yeah, it's interesting. He's still reaching out to us, so it's not totally gone. <laughs> but the cares of this world have really choked out his faith. Yeah. And we see that among the people, that when people are going through extremely difficult life circumstances, they can dig into their faith and grow and mm-hmm. become more vibrant, or they can also start to give up and become discouraged and depressed and yeah, I think, think it has to do a little God? bit with our expectations. Like yeah. if we kind of yeah. come to faith expecting that that's going to mean that our life is easier here on earth, yeah. that can easily be rocked, right? Whereas if we don't, if we have different expectations, yeah. that earth is still going to be challenging, then it can be different. But yeah, it's 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 hard. Yeah. yeah. So I know I've Chris- gone through that myself. Yeah. So Crystal Nairn, give some responses to somebody who is dealing with cares of the world. How would we respond to them? Again, it's empathizing with them, Mm -hmm. listening to the things, saying, yeah, this is hard. And this is a reality of the fact that we live in a world that has rebelled against God. Like this world is not what God wanted it to be in the sense that he created a perfect world where none of this would have happened, but people have rebelled and that's caused the rift. I think helping people understand that the world is the way it is because of people's sin, not because of God, (laughs) is a helpful thing. It Mm -hmm. helps rearrange our kind of... Um, expectations. expectations of yeah, what we're going to have Because we in live life. in a chaotic state, not a perfection state yet. Yeah. So, of course, in that state of the world not being quite right, there are going to be difficulties with our yeah. bodies and our, our circumstances. Yeah. That's the reality, and we sometimes don't realize that. Yeah. So it's a... It's helpful to sort of adjust that, even yeah. even and if it's after the fact, to start realizing, okay, this isn't inappropriate yeah. for there to be some challenges. Yeah. So I think we want to have a good balance of of actually listening, like we've talked Mm. about, but then also pointing them to the future. Like, that's why Jesus came. (laughs) Like, that's why Jesus endured all this agony and pain and suffered and was rejected and was killed because he knows this isn't the perfect world. And but yet he stepped into history to bring about a perfect world. And so like, let's stay on his side because that is what he came to do. Yeah. Because he knew we were in a lot of pain. We also see that people are greatly encouraged when we come alongside practically. Yeah. When we deliver meals and we yeah. help with carpooling and childcare and we just go and visit with them or we bring flowers. Like to walk alongside is a putting, um, what do you call it, flesh on Jesus. Yeah. Right? Your hands and exactly. feet and voice Emotion. of Jesus. I think that also helps people to move towards God instead of away. Yeah. Especially when you're in really difficult situations like yeah. that. Totally. I agree. Okay, next category, pleasures of this world, Crystal. Well, sometimes, yeah, it's not the pain of the world that's causing them to step away. It's that they just don't want to give up what they're involved in. Like they like their partying with their friends. They like the girlfriend that they're living with. They feel like this is a pretty good life. I had one person I was trying to talk to about my faith and she said, well, but I just don't need that. (laughs) I thought, okay, what do you do with that? (laughs) I just don't need it. Like, you know, like it's just this idea that the world is pretty good. And why would I want to submit myself to the leadership of God and have him tell me what I need to do and can't do? And that just seems very restrictive. You think from their point of view, spending time in church and Bible study and those kinds of things would seem like, why? Yeah. Like it's a lot of wasted time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I could be out hiking on a Sunday yeah. morning. Why would I do that? Yeah. There are so many things you could do with your time rather than be at Bible study or church. Yeah. I can understand where they're coming from. So it's part of that empathizing. Yeah, absolutely for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think for there too, and just praying that God would somehow make them see their need of him. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you to stay in relationship with them. What's very interesting is life doesn't always stay so glorious and beautiful. Yeah. You know, I have some friends that travel a lot because they have money and they really enjoy life to its full. But I know that as they get older, 
it's going to get harder. Things will crop up where they might have to re-examine their life and maybe their lack of faith. Like who is God as health issues hit and as we all enter that aging process. So be prepared, be ready to pray with people, to be ready mm-hmm. to be there when they have questions about who God is, because yeah. all of a sudden life isn't so amazing. Yeah. So yeah, stay in their life. Mm-hmm. In the midst stay of in that. their life in the midst yeah. of it, and but celebrate their joys too. <laughs> yeah. Cheer on all their Instagram photos. Totally. Yeah, all the fun there. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Try not to cry too much at home. <laughs> <laughs> Feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> I know. Okay, next one. Questions. Questions. Another category for why people resist the gospel is questions. Miss Erin. Yes, there are lots of people who have these big hurdle questions. Things yeah. they can't quite work out in their mind. Things like, what's the meaning of life? And does God really exist? Why is there evil in the world? How could God let bad good, mm-hmm. bad things happen to good people? And why would a good God do these things? Mm-hmm. Um, and how could there be one religion? Yeah, There's just so many, so many of these things. And it takes a lot of time for some people to work out yeah. how those things could come to be true. Yes. Like, what are the answers here? Yeah. And um, I think that that's, yeah, that, that that can take decades for some people. Yeah. I have one person in my life who has a has a mathematical equation, or I did at one point have a mathematical equation for how there could be the existence of God, but that that can't <laughs> wouldn't be the full fruition of a faith experience. Like huh. that that wasn't actually the solution. And that was their barrier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am not going to think in those kind of exponential (laughs) things. But this could also be somebody who's growing up in a home of believers, but doesn't, but has questions. Yeah. And they can't find a place to ask them. Yeah. It's not a safe place to ask. And I was thinking about that one and realized those may be parents in that home who are afraid to dig deeper themselves, possibly, or they're just satisfied with just the, the main line. They haven't asked Basic the questions, questions themselves. And like, that's why satisfying are you to them. They're yeah. more yeah. more faith and it feels right. Yeah. And they may have a child in their home who's like struggling academically, theologically yeah. with a question and they don't feel safe to ask that question. Okay, Crystal. So how would we respond? Well, I think we need to be ready to engage with those questions ourselves so that we can kind of think through some of the answers. Um, there's so many great resources through Apologetics Canada, um, right in our own church here, yeah. the yeah. website that they have and the conference that they have and books that they're recommended. There's online classes, that kind of stuff. So I think we should be ready to engage. Yeah. I think we also need to realize that <clears throat> at some point it's just going to become a faith leap for people. Like we can never mm-hmm. absolutely beyond certainty prove the existence of God or all these things we can show how beyond reasonable doubt or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, they talk about that idea, like there's lots of good evidence here. Like, what are you going to do with this evidence? So I think we need to realize that we can't necessarily argue somebody into the faith, but be ready to engage with them. Be open to saying, yeah, that's a good question. Let's try and figure it out together. Yeah. There are some resources for kids. Erin, can you think of some? Well, one of them is Natasha Crane. She's a speaker who came to, has come to our apologetics conferences, or not ours, but yeah. apologetic Canada's conferences. Take ownership. That's so you can say ours. <laughs> and um, she has some excellent books on walking through faith questions with kids. Yeah, I think it's called Christian Mom Thoughts. She has mm-hmm. a she website has a with a blog. Yeah, okay. And also Lee Strobel has a series for kids as well as for adults, The Case for Christ, Kids, The Case for Christ, Adults, case yeah. for faith, case for all and kinds of things. And there's a little set of books right now in mm-hmm. our church library. They're just, they're tiny little books. And they ask those, all those deep questions. 
Does oh, yeah. God exist? Why is there evil in this world? And they, they're just in kid capsule sizes, huh. like Neat. kindergarten, grade one kind of level. Yeah. And Andy and his team at Apologetics Canada have written a kid's book as well. Mm-hmm. So we can direct you to apologeticscanada.com. Yeah. They have a podcast yeah. also. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Well, you can always email us, bonus at northview.org, and we can direct you some more resources. But I would say don't be afraid to think and ask questions. We have a big God. He can handle it. And don't feel like you have to come up with all the answers. Yeah. We even say that with our table leaders on our Wednesday morning Bible study. Like if someone asks at your table asks you a question, you don't have to come up with all the answers. Say, no. okay, that's a good question. Why don't you research it? And then let's talk about it. So you can put some onus back on that person too to kind of come up with the pros and cons and and then think through it, talk through it. I was just thinking of the website, gotquestions.org. Yeah. So that's a good place to go. People have questions about polygamy and slavery in the Bible mm-hmm. and all of these things that kind of are the things that are stumbling blocks. Yeah. Go there. Yeah. But all, and also I'm just thinking like sometimes those questions, um, some people have grabbed those questions because culturally they're like popular reasons to be a hurdle. Like I'm just thinking about some conversations I had with my daughter who's in middle school and she was sitting in a, they were practicing debates yesterday. And one of the questions that came up in some, one of the groups that did a debate, it was, it was a tricky thing. And she's in a public school setting. And so she said, one of the kids mentioned the, anyways, long story. All that to say that lots of times kids come up with, or people come up with something and they grab onto it because it's a cultural piece but they haven't really studied it themselves Mm-mm. and they'll use yeah. the Bible in an incorrect way, just yes. like a Christian might use the Bible in an incorrect way. Mm-hmm. And I think that the solution for that is to actually be in regular study, yes. like to to actually open up the Bible and walk through a long-term study yeah. of something and not to be just like grabbing this question saying, okay, oh, there's my handle. I'm going to hold that one against yeah. Christianity, but then just actually be studying it. And so like, for example, we've just walked through a whole book of Corinthians and it took us 19 weeks weeks to do that was not just a brushing of the surface. And there's all sorts of theological way more that we could have done on that things in there. And, and, and you couldn't take one of those and hold on to it anymore after reading something that deeply, I don't think. Yeah. Or maybe you could, but I think you would have a more, maybe a different set of questions even at that Mm -hmm. point. I would add to it. Yeah. Okay, let's go into the last category called spiritual reasons. We know that the Bible gives us reasons for why people resist the faith. Yeah. Okay, I think it's Crystal, you're on. Well, 2 Corinthians 4 um, tells us, uh, starting at verse 4, it says, <clears throat> The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God, who said, let light shine in the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the fact that we are in a world that has sin in it, uh, where Satan has kind of duped us into following him, uh, people's hearts and minds are blinded. They do not understand when the gospel, we talked about in First Corinthians chapter 2, mm-hmm. when we talked about that, that there is just spiritual, yeah, it's, it's like foolishness. And it talks about how it's foolish to the Greeks and foolish to the Jews, which are the people that Paul was interacting with. But when we looked at what those reasons were, that it's the same things we have today, the same reasons we think it's foolish. And so there's, um, sin has blinded our minds to understanding yeah. what God's all about. Yeah. And so... It, and that's hard to grapple with. Yeah. We wish people weren't blinded by um, what you're talking about. Yeah, by Satan. By Satan. Yeah. yeah. Duped by him into thinking yeah. that things are... Yeah. We think that people can see and understand and we don't realize that Satan has blinded them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the helpful thing to realize in this passage is that 
not God that's blinded them. It's God who opens the eyes. Yeah. Uh, so our, mm-hmm. our enemy here is Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to engage with him in spiritual warfare, as we talk yeah. about in Ephesians 6, in a way that is very strategic in terms of us standing firm, us having the, the sword of truth, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, mm-hmm. all these pieces that we actually need to engage in sin as a battle, or get against sin as a battle. Sin. This whole um, why people resist the gospel is also a spiritual battle. Yeah. One of my favorite verses for people in this category is Second uh, Timothy 2. It starts at 22. I won't read all of it, but starting at 25 and 26, it says this, Opponents, those are opponents who are against God, must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Mm. You might want to pray that for your family Mm. and friends who are... Um, spiritually blinded to the gospel. Yeah, because it's showing that it's a resistance and they mm-hmm. need repentance, actually, yeah. in order to believe it. And right? God does it. And, yeah, mm. I cannot plead and pester and nag and bribe my friend or family member into heaven. Mm. They, they need God to open their eyes, the, the eyes of their heart, their mind, soften their heart. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? Spiritual no, reasons? I think that's good. Okay, so hopefully this podcast just opened your minds to the thoughts of what we've talked about, that you would have further discussion with your family and friends on these kinds of things. Why are your friends and family members resistant to the gospel? Yeah, and if you have conversation, come up with another reason, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Send us an email. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for us to think through. It is. Okay, Crystal, would you close for us in prayer? Sure. Lord, we thank you that this gospel is your good news. Um, It's not something that we invented. It's not something that we've come up with in 21st century Abbotsford. Um, But the story started way back in Genesis 12, way back with Abraham, uh, when you started a plan of redemption of bringing um, the Jewish nation together, which would then um, bring Jesus into the world, uh, who would be our Savior and who would save us from our sins and who would be raised from the dead and offer us eternal life with you. So we thank you, Lord, that this is your big plan that comes through all of Scripture, that we see that from Genesis to Revelation, how it all weaves together. Lord, we pray that people would want to enter this story, would want to see themselves in light of who you are and in light of who you created them to be. We pray, Lord, that you would just be opening eyes all over Abbotsford, all over British Columbia and Canada and the world, Lord, uh, to understand your gospel message, that they would see that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they're creations of you, created to do good works, Mm -hmm. but they need to be in relationship with you. So for all of us, Lord, who do believe this gospel, I just pray that you'd give us wisdom and grace, curiosity, um, joy, love for our family and friends who aren't following you. Lord, Mm -hmm. may we continually engage with them. Uh, not pull back, um, but just be ready to be um, at the dinner table, on the soccer fields, in the neighborhoods, uh, talking to people about you and trying to figure out uh, what it is that's standing in their way. And Lord, may we also, would you just encourage us to be people who pray and pray and pray and pray for the hearts of people, (laughs) because we know it's you that does that work. So give us perseverance in prayer. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. 